Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to episode 69 of the Global Captive Podcast supported by Legacy Specialists R&Q and hosted by me, Richard Kutcher. So we have a 30-minute VCIA conference preview episode for you this week featuring two captive owners, VCIA President Kevin Mead and my good friend Scott Mildrum, economic and macro strategist at Performer. This year's conference back in Burlington and in person hallelujah is being held on monday 8th of august to thursday the 11th and i'm very very excited to be heading back to one of my favorite spots in the us first up let's hear from gail newman vice president of risk management at bright horizons one of vermont's many captive owners Gail is also a VCIA board member and she tells us all about the company's five-year captive journey to date. She begins, however, by giving us a bit of background on Bright Horizons and their business profile. So Bright Horizons um, is a company that's been in business for over 35 years now, and we are a globally based child care provider and also the largest provider of employer sponsored child care. In addition, we provide backup child care and elder care, tuition program management, education advising and student loan repayment programs. So while we are headquartered just outside of Boston, we have well over 600 centers here in the United States. And we also maintain operations throughout the United Kingdom, Netherlands, India, and we most recently acquired a childcare business in Australia. As for my role, I have the privilege of leading our global risk management organization. And we're focused on managing our various insurance programs across our domestic and international locations. Um, We manage our enterprise risk management efforts, we focus on risk prevention strategies, and we also manage our single parent captive. Really good to have that background because before we met or connected a couple of weeks ago, I I didn't know much about Bright Horizons and it's been fascinating to get to know a bit more about you. Uh, Let's talk about the captive then next. You've got a captive in Vermont, of course. How long have you had that captive in place? Sure. So we are in Vermont. Um, 2017 was the year we initiated our captive. So we're coming up on our five-year anniversary this August. We really do get a good range of brand new captives, captives that have been around since longer than I've been alive and uh, everything in between. And and obviously five-year milestones are pretty exciting. Tell us then about the uh, general liability that you write in the captive, because although it is a sensitive topic, it's also quite a classic example of a captive being used for gaining coverage that you just can't get in the commercial market. Sure, that is absolutely correct. Um, With regard to experiencing challenges with traditional insurance markets, it's certainly not um, foreign to us. Um, One of the primary drivers of creating our captive was because we started to realize the challenges with the specific type of liability coverages we need to maintain. Um, Those challenges stem from a lot of what we see in the news the last several years with the unfortunate abuse cases in the Catholic Church, um, the Boy Scouts of America, just to name a few. While those situations are somewhat different than the nature of our business, it still had a significant impact on capacity availability for us. And not only that, the insurance companies just don't want to be in the business of supplying abuse coverage in the form our business needs it. So while it's not really an easy topic to talk about that being obtaining and maintaining abuse and molestation coverage, it is what we need to run our business. And also because we have a strong list of clients who contractually require it. 
yeah, that uh, that kind of contractual requirement is is an interesting one. People don't always um, think about, and it, you know, as I said, it's just a, a classic example of the commercial market kind of, and we've seen a lot more of it regarding complete completely different areas regarding ESG as well in terms of insurers just putting out of markets altogether, or um, looking at the risk in the same way for all organisations that might be purchasing it, and a captive can be the solution. In terms of then the captive providing a, a, some of that liability coverage, does writing it yourself to a degree give you more control or, or focus on the risk management of that? Sure, sure. You know, I'll, I'll start off by saying and, and preface my comments here. Um, first and foremost, you know, insurance and in our captive does not entirely dictate why we maintain, from a risk management perspective, the best controls and safety practices and having the right safeguards to keep our children out of harm's way. That is just what we do as Bright Horizons. It's just the mission of our business. However, we know it's very challenging to operate without insurance in, in many facets of life. And with that said, we know that risk transference has diminished in this, our captive. It, it just adds another important lens on the why for maintaining the safest protocols for our business. Putting a captive into place has not only enabled us to honor the contractual obligations I just noted, but we've been able to sustain the various excess limits of coverage because we have a more direct control over our risk. And we use it as a lever to continue to drive the best protocols throughout the business that keep the children safe. Yeah, interesting to, to see how, how you kind of interpret that. So in terms of other uses for the captive then, has the, the hard market and the kind of market conditions of the last three years, has that prompted you to, to look at other uses for the captive and, and how much has the, the hard market conditions impacted other lines? It's an ongoing dialogue for sure. Um, the popular topics these days regarding captive utilization, as we've all heard, are around cyber DNO, EPL, as they become increasingly more expensive with our annual renewals. But with the ongoing dialogue in our business is the analysis we do. We look at the balance of risk transfer comparative to the existing availability of coverage, along with the appetite we have for premium costs. And we manage our risk register fairly well. And I think as a risk manager, having strong relationships with key internal employees who work together to mitigate risks along with transparency and the frequent checkpoints we have with our underwriters, as well as a strong insurance broker relationship we have, our broker who advocates for great coverage, that continues to be key for us. Um, it's definitely a, a delicate balance that we continually evaluate using you know, traditional insurance comparative to our captive. So on that analysis piece, how do you translate or, or communicate the, the true value of the captive to the wider business, be it um, employees, uh, franchises, franchisees, senior management? Do, do you review the purpose and value of the captive regularly? This is a great question um, because it can be and has for us conditional on circumstances. And for, the, for, for us, those circumstances are capacity. Um, the recent pandemic impacts that have had financial impacts on our business. Um, so while we do discuss uh, the captive purpose periodically, these conversations in you know, recent months, the last year or so, are very much tempered with the fact that the markets are challenging and premiums are rising, but we are still able to transfer risk. Um, but we also are a business who is recovering from the financial impacts of the pandemic. So cost controls and savings are definitely on the radar. So, you know, we're, when we experience insurance premium increases, you know, that factors in. So it's a balancing act. And I think in a lot of ways, it's a cultural shift. 
in terms of thinking differently about risk mitigation, you know, conventional insurance, but also the conversations have stemmed into how do we make this captive work for us? Not just because it's the only solution for coverage that's just not attainable anymore, or because we realize a tax benefit, but how do we use this as a way to innovate the business as we grow and, and take different paths to deal with current economic challenges and so we can remain competitive? And, and what I mean by that is we may be entering into new service lines that are new or unfamiliar to the in, traditional insurance markets in the industry. And, and how do we use our captive to provide that coverage? Or, you know, how do we use a captive to give us a competitive advantage by either having coverage no one else can compete with or selling insurance to pieces of our business that just cannot obtain it? We're really looking at turning the captive into a profit and loss center instead of, you know, the age old risk management being an overhead function. So we, we may not necessarily be there as a business, but it's definitely some interesting conversation we're having internally. And I think some unique ways to really think about how you yourself can use your own captive. Yeah, certainly all good questions to be asking yourself internally. And, and as we know from other conversations we've had on this podcast before with other risk managers, you know, you're not alone in asking those questions. And we're certainly seeing more captives at least explore the idea of being, uh, whether it's more entrepreneurial with uh, third party risks or you know, how they can position themselves within the group to be much more of a business enabler, um, as well as just maybe a cost center or, or risk management center. But the main reason or the, the reason we've been introduced, Gail, and, and I'm delighted that we've had that introduction i'm very excited to meet you in person in, in in burlington just next month is you're also a board member of the vermont captive insurance association how useful have you found the association previously since being a member i presume not more than five years since you're coming up to that anniversary and and why were you keen to take the role on in terms of joining the board from the, the member perspective when i took on my role with bright horizons abuse coverage in a captive was absolutely new to me it was a completely foreign concepts. So, you know, I think about my first few years of attending the VCIA conference, I attended um, repeatedly all the sessions for new captive owners because the content was always evolving. It always, it still is evolving. Yeah. I was picking up new education each time and it's the education I really needed. I still need it for managing our own captive. So that alone was very useful for me. When I was nominated to take on the board role in October of last year, I'll be honest when I say I was a bit surprised just because I don't consider myself to be a captive expert, but the then president at the time of the association said to me, it's, it's really not about that. It's about bringing great energy and, and new perspective to the table. So I was very much, you know, I very much welcome the opportunity because the constituency of this board is incredible. We do all bring our own perspective, knowledge, and a shared passion for helping current and prospective captive owners. You know, being one of the top domiciles, while very admirable and noteworthy for this board, it goes beyond that. You know, I, I really recognize that there's a continuous work being done to ensure Vermont stands out among the rest with superior education, staying on top of regulatory matters, you know, working cohesively with the state and, and beyond, 
really all for the sake of captive owners and what their businesses need. Yeah, it is a great association, uh, really good board and lots of good friends of mine are, are on there. Uh, so I, I know what you'd say when you say it's a really high quality and a kind of diverse board in terms of experience as well and and, and expertise. Um, but yeah, we are getting back to an in-person conference in Burlington, which is extremely exciting. Uh, what are you most looking forward to about that return to uh, getting together actually in person? So aside from you getting away from the home office, um, I'll say Vermont is one of my favorite places. Burlington holds some very great personal memories for me over the years. So it's always great to return in this conference is just one more reason to do that. Um, this conference is the one I look forward to the most every year. Uh, just the combination of the location, the, the association is, is a great group of people who are welcoming and hospitable, and they genuinely wanna help captive owners and, and prospective owners. They work tirelessly to ensure that the captive owners, the future owners, they really do have a wealth of resources available to them. And I think all of that just shines through with this conference. Paul, while we have seen uh, captive utilisation increase and record formation activity during the hard insurance market of the past three years, there has been no let up in legacy transfer activity, has there? Why do you think that is? Well, as captive owners reevaluate their risk financing strategies and review their captive portfolio, one output can be to look at selling or transferring legacy business in order to free up capital that they can then use to support new programs or provide extra capacity for lines of insurance proving particularly problematic to place elsewhere. If that is an avenue captive owners wish to pursue, Paul, how can R&Q support them in the execution? Well, Richard, there are all manners of execution, from novation and lost portfolio transfer, which is effectively reinsurance, to a complete business transfer or a full sale of the captive. R&Q has a proven track record over the last 13 years in all of these strategies, over 70 captive transactions across 36 regulatory jurisdictions. We're experienced in working with captive owners, managers, TPAs and fronting partners to ensure the right solution is found for all parties whilst protecting the reputation of the captive owner for the life of the liabilities. Thank you, Paul. Well, if you want more information on R&Q, then visit their friend of the podcast page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website or follow the links in the episode show notes. Really good to hear Gail and Bright Horizons' captive story there. Certainly another pretty unique use case. Now, for the last five years, I think, I have been teaming up with Scott Mildrum, economic and macro strategist at Performer, to deliver the economic landscape presentation each year at VCIA. Each time, we are also joined by a captive owner or a captive manager. And this year, we are very excited to have Philippe Verita, Vice President of Finance at MCIC Vermont. LLC providing that captive perspective. Thankfully Scott and Phil were happy to join me in this episode to do a five minute preview of our session and Phil begins by telling us about MTIC and how they make use of their captive. So MCIC is a medical professional liability and hospital general liability covered. We insure multiple academic medical centers and their associated medical schools so our clients are subscribers uh, represent Yale University, Yale New Haven Health System, uh, New York Presbyterian, Columbia, Cornell, Johns Hopkins uh, School of the University as well, and the University of uh, Rochester Medical Center. And so our, our sole purpose is really to provide them with 
appropriate medical professional liability coverage with the appropriate limits. Uh, we want to be as cost effective as possible, but also medical malpractice being a very volatile line of business, especially at the limits and the hospital limits that we cover. We want to make sure it's cost effective, but also stabilize their premium over the long term and providing them with a product that really suits their needs. Fantastic. Good uh, Good to hear that. And as I said, we'll definitely hear more about uh, MCIC on our panel at uh, VCIA. Scott, we've been doing uh, these market investment updates at the conference for as long as I can remember now, I think. And, and they're always hugely popular. We always managed to draw a decent crowd, both when it was virtual and when it was in person. Can you give us a, a clue as to what kind of the, the hot topics will be when you, when you run through what's impacting the economic landscape right now? And obviously, I'm saying this to you as we're about to, I think, lose our kind of fourth or fifth prime minister since we've been doing this. <laughs> so it's always changing quickly, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Um, it's been an interesting and challenging start to be sure. You know, to your question, if I had to, to narrow the presentation down to uh, call it three hot topics uh, that we'll cover, they would be inflation, uh, monetary policy, uh, and, and recession. You know, currently, uh, all three are playing together uh, to create a rather daunting narrative. Namely, you know, the Fed could very well be hiking aggressively into the face of a recession. Uh, meanwhile, uh, it's worth noting that some of the factors contributing to the high rates of inflation uh, that are forcing the Fed's hand are very much out of the Fed's control. So it, it's been a challenging landscape. I expect things to change between now and, and VCIA, but um, you know, hopefully people find the, the presentation uh, interesting and engaging. Yeah, we usually do find uh, we, we're always making sure those slides are right up to date, you know, right until the last minute before the presentation, because it's been a pretty uh, tumultuous time of the last few years and in specifically the last few months as well. Phil, how high on the agenda is the investments uh, portfolio kind of decisions in your day to day? And how do you ensure that you're making the right decisions on that strategy? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, given the uh, current market conditions, as Scott just mentioned, it's it's moving higher and higher, unfortunately, in, in the day-to-day -day focus. But we've got to keep in mind, we're, we are long-term investors. We, we come up with an investment policy based on the strategy. And that strategy is based on a, a risk return perspective, a risk appetite uh, of the subscribers we represent and their cost of capital. And so from a day-to-day -day perspective, I will say MCIC, we do outsource to very capable consultants, our uh, chief investment office. And so they handle the day-to-day -day execution and the tactical shifting of the strategy. However, we, we are very uh, much involved in, in, in communication and understanding uh, based on their perspectives and their outlooks, how they're positioning and maneuvering tactically across their discretionary bands. So I would say in a traditional environment, Richard, it's we have about 12, approximately three meetings a quarter from a governance perspective across three different committees. We have a hedge fund committee, we have an investment committee, and we have a finance committee, all which are made up of participants from our very qualified subscriber base. From, an, from the monthly management perspective, MCIC management meets with the uh, outsourced chief investment office to understand the performance and their perspective. But especially in a market like we have today, we are staying more closely in contact where it's really become a weekly, uh, just trying to understand, not necessarily shifting any strategies or long-term, but really understanding the, the current impacts on our P&L from a capital perspective and also from a, a, a profit or, or lack thereof perspective and how that's going to impact our various reporting periods and potentially our annual or fiscal year. 
And so just ensuring that we're modeling, staying ahead of potential scenarios out there right now, given the volatility we're experiencing, so that we're appropriately communicating ahead of time any impacts to our stakeholders. But again, not from the perspective of changing strategy, just making sure we're understanding the impacts and some of the key contributors to, to the way the market's moving and how that's impacting our numbers. Yeah, really good to hear that detail as well on, on, the, on the structure, the management of the, of the investment portfolios and, and the governance of it as well, which are all um, increasingly important topics. Scott, just lastly then, if you're trying to sell our session to uh, attendees of the conference, what, what do you expect captive owners, risk managers and, and other delegates attending our session to, to hopefully get from it? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, hopefully nobody gets a nap. You know, hopefully the presentation is current enough and engaging enough that people find it interesting and useful. But on a more serious note, you know, we expect participants to not only leave with an understanding of what's driving the economy, what's driving capital markets, but perhaps most importantly, how that can have an impact on captive investment portfolios. Great. Well, thank you to Scott and Phil, and hopefully we will see some of our listeners at that session, which is taking place at 11.15am EST on Wednesday, August 10th at the VCIA Annual Conference. So last, but certainly not least, let's check in with Kevin Mead, President of the Association since February 2022, and looking forward to his first conference. Kevin, great to have you back onto the Global Captive podcast. When we spoke in March, uh, you were obviously very fresh to the role at VCIA. How has it been uh, getting your feet under the table? And what have you learned about the captive market, both in Vermont and more broadly since then? It's been a really interesting learning process. And it's obviously going to continue going forwards. I've sat through a lot of sort of introductory and then developmental sessions and realized that I'm now at that dangerous stage where I'm starting to realize what I don't know. Yep. Whereas, whereas before when we first spoke, I was at that blissful stage of not even knowing what I didn't know. So, yeah. so now I think it's a little dangerous in that respect. But what I have learned is just, it, it's sort of two things. First of all is quantitative. And the second then is qualitative. And the, the, the quantitative one is that I, I'm just amazed at how big this industry is globally and how big it is in Vermont. The state just produced their 2021 report and net premium earned in Vermont for captives was $23.6 billion. Yeah, And, you know, that's not a number to be sneezed at. And obviously, Vermont is a major player in that, but it just goes to show what the size of the market is globally, and you'd have a better idea of that than me, clearly. And then on the qualitative side, it's just the cooperative nature. And I know we're going to talk about the conference in a minute, but we've got this group of 30-odd people that help us put the conference together. And every time we get on a conference call, there's nearly 30 of them on the call. You know, people occasionally miss, but we're plowing through the planning for individual sessions and people from competing companies are being strongly cooperative with each other to produce a great learning and social event. And that's been an interesting part of my education because I've not really seen that in the past. I've seen it be more staff driven. And while we're certainly involved, 
the level of volunteer involvement and the quality of that has been incredible. Yeah, great to hear that that kind of background, behind the scenes insight, if you will, because the VCA conference, as I said, we'll come on to, uh, it, is, it does always come across as a, a very, very collaborative event uh, whenever I've attended in the past. And obviously that, that reflects the work that goes into it, uh, as you're talking about there. So yeah, as I said, fast approaching, 8th till the 11th of August in Burlington. And I certainly can't wait to get back out there. It's been, it would have been three years, I think, and it feels like a lot, lot longer. How's it all? coming together then uh, and and how have you found uh, apart from that collaborative nature how have you found the planning process first time around uh, exhaustive that's for sure I, I think we've got staff members that have done this many many times and they know where all the bodies are buried and so for newbies like me they're making sure that I don't go off down bunny trails and that we stick to the plan and even today we were having a meeting and the, the detail we get into is is quite incredible. This will be a very well-managed event. There, there will be issues, there always are, when you put close to a 1,000 people in one location, but I'm confident we've got the plan in place to deal with pretty much anything that's thrown at us. So, yeah, that, that's a strong positive, and it's been great to be a part of the planning and see it come together. Obviously, a lot of it was done when I already arrived, but it's really good to see us now being just over a month out and really getting down into the details. So it feels like we're really back to a substantial four-day event this year in person. I was just checking out the agenda again earlier today. Hotel is already booked and flights are booked as well. Any particular highlights that you're looking forward to yourself? Yeah, a couple of specific ones and then a couple of sort of general ones. I, I think that we've shifted in the direction, again, because our first time being together in more than three years, in the direction of having more cooperative sessions. So discussion groups where there's a leader and there are there's a topic and questions, but it's not a lecture from on stage with five minutes of Q&A at the end. And then carrying that through afterwards so that if people's appetite is whetted by that 45, 50 minute session that we've got going, they can carry on the discussion once, you know, in a virtual space, once we've uh, exited from the conference. So I think that's the, the generality, as it were. I think the, the specific is that there will be a huge crowd for Dave Provost's last Hot Topics with Dave. Absolutely. Then becomes Sandy Bigglestone's first Hot Topics with Sandy. And so I think that people will be turning up for that. People will be turning up for a reception that we're featuring Dave at. And I think that's going to be a, a, an interesting passing of the baton. And it speaks a lot, I think, to the stability of Vermont that they're able to promote from within and have a very known and respected person come in. And it's going to be effectively kind of taking place at the conference, which is a huge bonus for us. Yeah, I echo all those sentiments regarding both Dave and Sandy. And we did just record uh, an episode on that very topic of that passing of the baton and, and that succession planning, which I think is so impressive in Vermont. And, and kudos to Dave and Sandy and everyone at that department over many, many years for making that process so smooth and, and so possible. But in the meantime, Kevin, I look forward to, uh, what, raising a glass of Heady Topper with you in Burlington in uh, a month or so's time. Absolutely. And right now we stand at about 600 people registered. And everybody on staff has put numbers on the wall as to how many we think we'll have there. 
and they're all hovering right around a thousand. So fantastic. We're expect we're expecting a lot of drinking partners for you, Richard. <laughs> yeah, I will try and get through as many of them as possible. But in the meantime, stay safe, Kevin, and thanks again for coming on to the Global Captain Podcast. Terrific. I look forward to seeing you soon. Well, thank you to Kevin for joining us and helping me set up much of this episode. Gail Newman at Bright Horizons and, of course, my fellow panellists, Scott Mildrum at Performer and Philip Verreiter at MCIC Vermont. If you are attending VCIA, then please do find me and say hi while at the conference. I have a small booth and little recording area just outside the main entrance to the exhibition hall. So make sure you drop by or get in touch with me in advance if you'd like to catch up more more formally i'm always available to message on linkedin i'm pretty responsive there or you can email me richard at globalcaptivepodcast.com in the meantime stay safe stay well and see you in burlington vermont